Custom Ink is an awesome way to recognize employees, thank customers, and outfit your teams with their favorite products and brands customized with your logo. CustomInc.com lets you make your mark on water bottles, backpacks, polos, jackets, and a ton more. Custom Ink is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Oh yeah, and everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at CustomInc.com. I remember booking a canoeing trip on Bear Lake with Viator. I remember my wife's sweet smile taking me back to us canoeing in summer camp. I remember thinking, my oh my, this moment is nothing short of perfect. I remember turtles. We all remember things differently. What's important is that they're worth remembering. From canoeing to the Coliseum, you can book it all. Use code Viator10 in the app for 10% off your first booking. Viator. One site, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Jimmy Vision YouTube channel. And you can find a link to their website in their show notes as well. Tons of resources for you at all of these places. Make sure you guys check out FOJCRadio.com for tons of stuff that just delves into the Bible front to back, and they have tons of resources that can help you as well. Thank you so much for all your support, and God bless every single one of you. All right, uh, welcome back. Um, so, anyway, I was saying... Um, you know, when, when you go on in this, chapter 3 talks about the wise men coming. I found this part very interesting. The wise men came from the east to Jerusalem according to the prophecy by Zoradasht. And there's a little, you know, um, footnote marker there. And that says that that is Zoroaster, which is, of course, you know, uh, that's Zoroastrianism. Um, but... Based off of what I can tell from my research, it seems very apparent that these students, these magi, as it were, were actually students of Daniel, at least in some form or fashion. Now, of course, the magi, the word magi, there is some connotation of that word being associated with the priests of Zoroastrianism at the birth of Christ. That just seems a little weird to me. Um... There's other things uh, Mary is constantly referred to in this text as the lady with a capital. I mean, there's so much emphasis put on Mary being somewhat divine. Now, of course, in today's world, Mary is actually, they don't mince words about it. Mary is divine. That's what they believe. So this is, this is a... This is an article from, this book is called Secrets of the Code, The Unauthorized Guide to the Mysteries Behind the Da Vinci Code. Now, anybody who's familiar with the Da Vinci Code or has seen our episode about the Essenes, we've talked a lot about how the mystery, uh, the, the Da Vinci Code is uh, basically a movie that propagates the beliefs of Rosicrucianism. Um, but this is what this article says. We shared a, an obsession with world mysticism all our lives. 
which recently, this is Timothy Freak and Peter Grandy talking, all our lives, which recently had led us to explore spirituality in the ancient world. Popular understanding inevitably lags a long way behind the cutting edge in scholarly research, and like most people, we initially had an inaccurate and outdated view of paganism. We had been taught to imagine a primitive superstition which indulged in idol worship and bloody sacrifice, and dry philosophers wearing togas, stumbling blind toward what we all today call science. We were familiar with various Greek myths which showed the partisan and capricious nature of the Olympian gods and goddesses. All in all, paganism seemed primitive and fundamentally alien. After many years of study, however, our understanding has been transformed. Pagan spirituality was actually the sophisticated product of a highly developed culture. State religions such as the Greek worship of the Olympian uh, worship the Greek worship of the Olympian gods were little more than outer pomp and ceremony. That's actually very true. Um, the real spirituality of the people expressed itself through the vibrant mystical mystery religions. At first, underground and heretical movements, these mysteries spread and flourished throughout the ancient Mediterranean, inspiring the greatest minds of the pagan world, who regarded them as the very source of civilization. Each mystery tradition had exoteric outer mysteries, consisting of myths which were common knowledge and rituals which were open to anyone who wanted to participate. There were also esoteric inner mysteries, which were a sacred secret known only to those who had underground uh, undergone a powerful process of initiation. Initiates of the inner mysteries had the mystical meaning of the rituals and myths of the outer mysteries revealed to them, a process that brought about personal transformation and spiritual enlightenment. And all you need to do to understand that this is still going on is read Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, which walks through and is a commentary of each degree of Scottish Rite Freemasonry and reveals that after a certain amount of time, you actually get the real uh, interpretations of their uh, rites and rituals. Um, and they even admit to the lower initiates because the first three, um, you know, rites, whatever, I mean, anybody can be a, you know, entered apprentice through Master Mason in the Blue House. I mean, all you got to do is, you know, used to be you had to receive a formal invitation. Now you can go watch a ceremony and they can, you know, basically cast a vote whether or not you're in, from my understanding. Um, but once you get above, you know, the fourth degree to the 32nd and even the 33rd degree, uh, yeah, not just anybody can do that. From what somebody has told me, um, a lot of your your so-called Christians that are in the Masonic Lodge never make it past number uh, make it past the third degree. They're looking for people that want to thirst that thirst for this esoteric knowledge. So it goes on to say the philosophers of the ancient world were spirit were the spiritual masters. Of the inner mysteries. They were mystics and miracle workers, more comparable to Hindu gurus than dusty academics. The great Greek philosopher Pythagoras, for example, is remembered today for his mathematical theorem, but few people 
picture him as he actually was, a flamboyant sage who was believed to be able to miraculously still the winds and raise the dead. At the heart of the mysteries were myths concerning a dying and resurrecting God-man who was known by many different names. In Egypt, he was Osiris. In Greek, Dionysius. Um, in Asia Minor, Addis. In Syria, Adonis. In Italy, Bacchus. In Persia, Mithras. Fundamentally, all these godmen are the same mythical being. We will use the combined name Osiris Dionysus to denote his universal and composite nature and his particular names when referring to a specific mystery tradition. From the 5th century BCE, philosophers such as Xenophanes Zen, uh, and Empedocles, man, what weird names, had ritualed taking the stories of the gods and goddesses literally. They viewed them as allegories of human spiritual experience. The myths of Osiris, Dionysus, should not be understood as just intriguing tales, therefore, but as a symbolic language. This is what we talked about last week on Truth Radio Show, which will actually be starting again as I'm recording this on Utah. It'll start in 15 minutes on YouTube. So, um, you guys, if you haven't watched that, if you didn't watch the premiere, um, you know, and you're watching this on YouTube, uh, yeah, you should. Um, but this, this is what we were talking about with symbolic language. Um, so, but it says a symbolic language which encodes the mystical teachings of the inner mysteries. Because of this, although the details were developed and adapted over time by different cultures, the myth of Osiris Dionysus has remained essentially the same. The various myths of the different godmen of the mysteries share what the great mythologist Joseph Campbell called the same anatomy. Just as every human is physically unique, yet it is possible to talk of a general anatomy of the human body so that these different myths, it is, uh, so with these different myths, it is possible to see both their uniqueness and fundamental sameness. A helpful comparison may be the relationship between Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet and Bernstein's West Side Story. One is a 16th century English tragedy about a wealthy about wealthy Italian families, while the other is a 20th century American musical about street gangs. On the face of it, they look very different, yet they are essentially the same story. Similarly, the tales about the godmen of the pagan mysteries are essentially the same, although they take their uh, they take different forms. The more we studied the various versions of the myth of Osiris Dionysus, the more it became obvious that the story of Jesus had all the characteristics of the perennial tale. And see, this is what they do: they set you up with the fact that, for those of you who don't know who don't know, Osiris Dionysus, uh, all of this, you know, universal God man, is actually based off of Nimrod. Now, Nimrod, according to the Babylonian legend, of course, Nimrod was, um, you know, the uh, mighty hunter that, uh, you know, was the, the founder of Babylon. And um, certain texts say, the Bible never explicitly says it, but, you know, the things like the Book of Jasher and the Book of Jubilees say that uh, Nimrod was instrumental with the Tower of Babel. 
Um, see, what happens according to the legend of Nimrod through the Babylonian legend is Nimrod eventually died and became the sun god, according to his wife Semiramis. And she gave birth to a son named um, um, Tammuz. And Tammuz, she claimed, was Nimrod reincarnated. Now, of course, when Nimrod was deified, you think about the Tower of Babel. Everybody spoke the same language before the Tower of Babel. After that, the Bible says that God confused the languages and everybody went off with the people that talked like them. Now, think about this. Think about this man, this, this, this mighty hunter that was basically deified here. You go off with all your languages. Well, all of a sudden, this man takes on different names. Osiris, Dionysus, Bacchus, Addis, Adonis, uh, all of these names. And um, that's why you have this similar thing. Now, what these Gnostics do is they want to attribute all of this to Jesus. And that's where your things like the Da Vinci Code come from. So I just, you know, I want to clarify that for people, that this is, it's a crock of poop is what it is. Um, so so um, just basically the, they claim Jesus had all the characteristics of this perennial tale. Even by event, we found we were able to construct Jesus' supposed biography from the mythic motifs previously relating to Osiris Dionysus. Osiris Dionysus is God made flesh, the Savior and Son of God. That's actually not always true. Um, his father is God and his mother is a mortal virgin. Also, once again, not true. Um, in every case, they're, they're making, they're, they're, they're stretching the truth a little bit. Um, you know, he's offered his followers the chance to be born again through the rites of baptism. Once again, not entirely true. Um, you know, there's just, there's, there's a lot of stuff they're making up here. So, um, you know, it goes on to talk about, you know, the church fathers, the Gnostics. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff here in this book. Um, this is not something that I would recommend that you all pick up just because this will shake you if you don't know, if you don't know what you're, talking about but look at this so this like i said this book the lost books has the gospel of mary right here now keep in mind this is all about the da vinci code here for those of you who can see this there is let's see if i can find it the gospel of mary um yeah this this these books these books of the infancy of Christ, they're all Gnostic. If Christ did so many mighty miracles when he was just a babe, why are they recorded in the Scripture? Because the whole point of his miracles was to attest to the fact that he was the coming Messiah. Um, there's the Gospel of Mary again, the Gospel of Philip, Gospel of Thomas. Um, see, there's two things with Thomas. There's the infancy Gospel of Thomas, and then there's just the regular Gospel of Thomas, which is absolute just trash um but there is a part yep here's what i'm looking for um in the gospels of the virgin mary and mary magdalene represent the higher sophia and the fallen sophia so this is all about the divine feminine or the sacred feminine 
Now, this is why I have such a problem with books and anything that really magnifies Mary higher than she needs to be magnified. Um, they are called by the same name to emphasize the fact that the mythology, they are aspects uh, of the same figure. Mythologically, as in the Sophia myth. The first Mary is a virgin, like Sophia when she was living with her father, and the second is a prostitute who is redeemed by her lover, Jesus. See, this is... Oh, man, Gnostics piss me off so bad. Like, I just... Oh, man, they're just... Their teachings just... They fill me with such a rage because... You screw freedom of speech. You should not have the right to talk about my Lord, my Savior, my Jesus, like that. You shut your filthy mouth because I am saying this for your betterment. You shut your mouth because if you don't stop saying filthy things like this and turn from your wicked ways, when Jesus comes, he is going to destroy you with the sword that comes out of his mouth. And of course, what is the sword? I believe, as Paul says in Ephesians, that the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. is literally going to destroy you with the divine word of God. This divine word that all you Gnostics are seeking is going to actually kill you when he comes back. So you better repent of your sins. Um, please, your life depends on it. Um, so there's, there's that garbage. Um, you know, look, lost books of the Bible. I had a friend on Facebook ask me, um, you know, they, you know, I'm not going to say who it was, but, you know, they were talking about how their spouse brought home these books, and they just had this bad feeling about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they're full of all sorts of proto-Catholic beliefs. And um, they asked me to explain what proto-Catholic was. But see, the Catholic or the, quote, universal church was not technically founded until the Council of Nicaea, when everything was canonized by Constantine. According to everything, they can't be sure, but the... um, the uh, uh oh goodness i can't think of the word um the quote unquote scholars believe that these gospels like the gospel the infancy gospels from this lost books are somewhere between the uh late second century early third century which is interesting because this is what i want to read to you this is from uh ancient paganism the sorcery of the fallen angels and I am. This is a, to open this chapter. We need to define uh, the people we will be studying. So it talks about the ancient church fathers, which we've talked about some of them. They were disciples. The fathers were disciples of the twelve apostles and their immediate disciples. Their teachings were consistent until about the third century. Now, isn't that interesting? Many books were written by the ancient church fathers and still exist that contrast the teachings uh, of the apostles of Jesus Christ with the Gnostic cults of their day. The Gnostics are the cults. During the first two centuries, cults rose up that mixed the pure teaching of the word sorcery. These groups were called Gnostics. Today, Christians refer to groups who follow the Gnostic teachings as cults, which is what we read earlier. Now, this is interesting, or mystics. During the 3rd century, some occultic practices began to creep into the church. The first 
characteristics of the Christian uh, or Christian occultists appeared during this time and are referred to as the Desert Fathers. Now, of course, you've got people like Simon Magus, um, Alexander the Coppersmith, the Spirit of Python. These are just ones that are mentioned in the scriptures. You've got Hymenaeus and uh, Philetus, um, I believe 2 Timothy, um, Figelis and um, Hermogenes. That was Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, you are aware of the fact that all who were in Asia turned away from me. Among them were Figelis and Hermogenes. Um, now, these are, you know, I mean, apostates for life. I'm looking for some of the looking for some of this stuff about the desert fathers. Um, but you got like people like the Therapeutae, of course. The biggest thing of to me anyway would seem obvious that these desert fathers or whatever would be the freaking Essenes. Um, you know, who, I, at least as far as I can tell, it's proved that they had, they had something to do with the Dead Sea Scrolls. And yet, Dr. Ken Johnson, I think, does a live stream about them. And, like, I've had people on this channel, look, guys, I appreciate, if you come from his channel, I appreciate the dialogue. I really do. But, look, you're, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, do not start an argument with me about how, um, you know, these guys were really you know, godly people and the worthy scenes, because I'm going to shut you down right now, because I've got book upon book upon book that I just read from. I'm not interested in your story. I, 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 I'm going to be as blunt with you as I possibly can. I just am not interested. You're not going to tell me anything that I don't already know, so please don't waste your breath. I mean, God gave you that breath for a reason. I think you should use it other than, you know, futile arguments with me. Like I said, I don't mind the dialogue. I enjoy talking to you guys, but I'm not going to argue with something that I know is patently absurd. Um, so, but, um, well, guys, honestly, I got one more thing that I want to talk to you about, and then I'm calling it quits for the night because it's almost 1 o'clock, and I am exhausted. It's been a really long week, but it's been a wonderful week, and it's been such a blessing. So let's come over here. My computer's doing that thing where it freezes up, so hopefully the show will keep going since we're not actually live-streaming it on YouTube tonight because uh, that's what happened two weeks ago. Uh, so OBS crashed, and I couldn't ever get it back up. Um, goodness. Well, I was going to show it to you. I'm not sure if it'll let me. Uh, yeah, something just happened. All right, so yeah, I think I'll just end it there. Basically, all of what I was going to show you guys was apparently back in the 90s, there was this really popular anime called Neogenesis Evangelion, or Evangelion. Most people just call it Eva. Um, and basically, it's about this kid who's fighting monsters with these like big mecha robots. Um, that's literally the premise of the show, but what the premise doesn't tell you is that, um, a bunch of the places they go come straight out of the Kabbalah, and I was going to show you, like, the Sephiroth, the, you know, the, quote, tree of life from Kabbalah, 
I think I've got a picture of it over here for those of you who are watching. By the way, guys, if you guys ever want to watch, you know, the, uh, you guys ever want to watch the live stream or, you know, the video, head over to our YouTube channel, Course Correction Radio, and just subscribe. You'll get, you'll get notifications when we go on. I think at least most people are. Some aren't. Some are not, um, which sucks. But yeah, here here it is. Um, this is the Sephiroth tree. This is the 32 mystical paths of the, of the Kabbalah. And if you can see that right there, that thing pops up over and over again in this Japanese anime. Now, I found a guy who I don't believe was a Christian. He did a great job of actually breaking it down because they asked... The mangaka, the mangaka, which is like a manga artist that wrote it, like what it all meant. And he was like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't, mean any, it doesn't mean anything. I just put it in there because it was looking cool. And this guy was like, you know, he was like, as somebody who has dabbled a little bit in Kabbalah, um, like who knows a little bit about it, I should say, because he never actually said he dabbled in it. But he's like, as somebody who knows a little bit about it, he said, I find it interesting that stuff that doesn't mean anything, you know, uh, is used in the exact right way. And he named a few things that were in the show and explained what they meant and how the show used them the way the symbols meant. Because that's the thing. That's what I'm trying, you know, that's what I've been trying to communicate this whole episode. Symbols, and this is what we I was talking with talking about last week with Dan. Symbols are a language. And once you understand the language, you can de- decode everything that you see it in. So, um, by the way, apparently this, this anime ends with um, all of humanity being absorbed into, like, this liquid, and they all basically become one giant <coughs> person, which, according to the Kabbalah, um, humanity was all one entity known as Adam Kadmon, and Adam Kadmon needs to return one day or something like that. Basically, there was... Humanity is all a part of these divine sparks. One day we'll all mesh together. Um, they, the the Eastern religions, I believe, refer to this as like the prana, or you know, um, the Freemasons refer to it as the seething energies of Lucifer. You know, it's basically um, Star Wars calls it the Force. So you know, when the Jedi die, they become one with the Force, right? So because they've received their enlightenment, it's all the same thing. So, guys, I'm going to pop off of here. You guys have a great night. Look forward to hearing from you guys in the chat on the premiere. Y'all take care. Have a great week. God bless, and I hope you all have a wonderful Shavuot or Pentecost tomorrow. Uh, Good night, everybody.
I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. We're stepping up our speed and aggressive driving enforcement. Speeding is deadly. Speed-related deaths are 100% preventable. Please always obey posted speed limits and help make Vision Zero a reality. Okay, guys, we got to put our trays up for takeoff. Where's Dad? Oh, he's in the back. We could only get three seats together. Daddy has my pillow. We'll get it later. Can you not put your feet up, please? Why aren't we going? <sighs> we must be in line for takeoff. Like security? Well, that was a different line. I have to go. We just sat down. But I have to go. The seatbelt sign's on. Why aren't we moving? Hey, you no picking. We're just 15 in line for takeoff. Son of a... Don't go there. Go on a real vacation. Go RVing. Learn more at GoRVing.com.